0: One of the most devastating feelings in the world is fatalism, which is the belief that events are fixed and there's no power to change them. It's the attitude that this is the way things are going to be forever and nothing will change. Here's the fatalistic attitude and thought. This is just the way I am. This is the way my spouse is. This is the way my kids are. And I don't think things will ever change. That's a fatalistic attitude. And just maybe somebody showed up here at the Bridge Church this morning thinking and feeling like you are in a hopeless situation. You you feel like things will always be like they are and they will never turn around. Maybe somebody showed up today saying, "This, this is just the way work is. This is just the way my supervisor is. And forever will be or maybe you came here today saying this is just the way my health is or maybe somebody else showed up today fatalistically thinking that this is just the way my financial situation is this is just the way my friends are and there's no way things can change it's a feeling friends of complacency And hopelessness. And maybe, just maybe somebody in here, you've been thinking that this is just the way my child is. They've turned from the Lord and I'm not sure if they will ever come back. And if maybe you are here thinking that there is some situation that seems hopeless, God sent me by the bridge church this morning to encourage you that Jesus still turns things around. Well, I still have some doubters out there, so let me prove it to you. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. Please, Reverend, please. Acts chapter 9. We have a few verses for you to read this morning. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. In your Bibles, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 9, 32. And I just want to share with you a couple of witnesses that will tell you that Jesus still turns things around. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. And here's what thus said the word of the Lord. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Now, since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples Hearing that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. And so Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside, knelt down, and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Thank Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We here have two hopeless situations. This first man, he's in a desperate situation. Peter happens to be probably on a tour visiting the churches that have dispersed. And he happens to go down, the text says, to The saints at Lida. Let me already put a parenthesis before I get to my point here. The text says he went to the saints. He he went to the saints. Hagias, holy ones, sacred ones, the set-apart ones. What was the requirement for these individuals to be called saints? All they did was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says they were saints. They didn't have to be canonized to become saints. They didn't have to perform a miracle to become a saint. All they did was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they were saints. Friends, today you have preaching to you a saint. Amen. And it's not because of me, but because of the Lord I trust in, Jesus Christ. Because I am now in Christ, I I now have a set-apart position. And that makes me holy. Even with all my mess, even with the way I act up sometimes, Jesus has made me a set-apart one, a saint. If there's anybody in here. Who's trusted in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. Right now I'm looking at St. Brian. Amen. Susan wouldn't say that, but but <laughs> right now I'm looking at Saint Daniel. Right now I'm looking at St. Crystal. We are saints because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's nothing we have to do in order to become a saint. All we have to do is respond to the free gift of grace that we have in Jesus Christ, and we are saints. This man. He's in a desperate situation. He's in a hopeless situation. How do I know he's in a hopeless situation? Because the text says he's been paralyzed for eight years. For eight years, his condition was to just lie there on a bed. He can't take care of himself. If he had a daughter who happened to get married in these eight years, he couldn't walk his daughter down the aisle if she got married. For eight years, this man had no use of his legs. For eight years, this man couldn't just take a walk in the park. For eight years, this man couldn't earn a living. So he was unemployed. For eight years, he couldn't do anything for himself. Other people had to carry him around. For him, I I assumed for him that this was a hopeless situation. And he likely determined in his mind that I have a permanent paralysis. And there's no way my situation will ever turn around. I am confined to a poor quality of life for the remainder of my days. The text says that Peter happened to be in town. The text says that Peter speaks to this paralyzed man and he says to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Make your bed and rise. Sometimes I feel like I'm Peter talking to BJ. Get up, make your bed. <laughs> Notice who heals this man. How do we know he's healed? Because the text says immediately he rose. Notice who it is who heals this man. It's not Peter. It's not magic. It's not a coincidence. It's none other than Jesus Christ who heals this man. And this text testifies to us today, friends, that Jesus Christ still turns things around. Why do you have to emphasize that, Brandon? Because remember, Jesus is no longer physically on the earth. Jesus Christ himself, he, while he was on the earth, he turned things around. He'd see somebody and he'd heal them or he, he would raise them. And so it's very clear that Jesus turned things around when he was physically on the earth. But what is Jesus doing now that he's ascended back to his father in heaven? And he's sitting on the throne. He's been exalted. Is Jesus still working? And the good news from heaven is that Jesus is not just sitting on the throne, kicked back with his legs up on the throne, but he's still turning things around. Friends, that's good news for somebody in here because you feel like your marriage is about to fall apart. And the good news is Jesus can turn that thing around. Oh, I, if I could call a witness right now, Jamie would come up here and testify that she had a cousin who was in an accident. He had no physical injuries, but he wouldn't wake up for days. All oh, but the saints started praying, and then Jesus Christ did a thing, and he woke up. He still turns things around. And friends, I just want to give you hope and encourage this morning. Jesus is still working. Jesus is still saving. Jesus is still healing. Jesus is still restoring. Jesus is still turning things around. Before we leave this man's story, can I ask you a question? What has you paralyzed? Is it fear? You can't make the next move because you're walking by fear and not walking by faith. What has you paralyzed this morning? Is it your pride? Is it your intellect? Maybe you are struggling with this whole thing called Christianity because you're not sure that God exists. Is just not making sense. It's too rational. But friends, can I tell you that there's some things about God, an infinite God, when it comes to finite man, we have to accept on faith. What has you paralyzed this morning? Is it your own self-sufficiency? thinking you on your own can get right with God and you don't need Jesus Christ? What has you paralyzed this morning? Whatever it is, friends, Jesus can turn it around. And then the text says all the people in the city, they see this man who was formerly paralyzed. And now they see this man who was bedridden, now walking around. And watch this. God Jesus Christ heals this man so much that after he's healed, he doesn't have to go see a physical therapist, Chris. There's no need for rehab services because God healed him so much, he says, I'll rehab you all on my own. Jesus turned. This man's life around. And so now they're seeing him walk like he hadn't walked in eight years. And they said, there had not been no, it had to be something besides this old man. It had to be a miracle. And I'm sure this man started testifying. Peter came by and he said, Jesus Christ was the one who healed me. And now these people turn around and they turn to the Lord. Friends, this is the language of conversion. Folks were saved. Matter of fact, that's the second miracle in the text. The second miracle in the text is not Dorcas. The second miracle in the text is that dead men came alive in Jesus Christ. I got to get on. Look with me now at the second or the third turnaround story, verses 36 through 43. There's a scene change. We move from Lida to Joppa. And the text says that there is, in Joppa, there, there's a man, there's a disciple there, excuse me, a lady by the name of Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas or gazelle. And, and this, the text says about this woman that she took her faith seriously. Where does it say that? Look at the latter part of verse 36. It says she did good works and acts of charity. Friends, this is what James calls pure and undefiled religion. Friends, never forget, we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. The text says that this woman became ill and died all right i had theological heartburn there <laughs> the text says that this woman who what do we know about this woman she, we know her name's Tabitha or Dorcas but more than that we know she's a disciple she's a christian she's a follower of jesus christ And this Christian woman, full of charity and good works, the text says she became ill and died. Stop, rewind, press play. This woman, who's a disciple of Christ, after she becomes a Christian, she becomes ill. And she dies. Let me put a parenthesis right here. This woman, even though she's saved and on her way to heaven, while she's here on earth, she is not exempt from suffering. She becomes ill and it leads to death. Friends, just like Dorcas, we too are not exempt from suffering. Matter of fact, one of the promises that we have from Jesus Christ, nobody likes this promise, but he promised it. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. That's what the text said. Suffering, I want to propose that suffering, friends, is not proof that God doesn't exist. I think suffering is proof that there is another power at work for a season. Furthermore, for me, suffering is proof that God does exist. Because in the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to send you a servant who's going to redeem you, but he's not going to be the kind of king that you think he should be. He's going to be a suffering servant. His name is Jesus. That's what Isaiah prophesied. And then Jesus came, and then guess what Jesus said? He said, I ain't come to be served, but I came to serve. And give my life as a ransom for many. And, and, and he suffered by dying on the cross. So the fact that something was prophesied, that God was prophesying, that prophecy came true it proves that God must exist. And I don't know about you, I can even go further and say, this is how I know Jesus was telling the truth when he said in this world you will have trouble. Because if you just live a little while, you'll find out that there will be trouble in this world. And so that's the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples. In this world, you, you will have trouble. But friends, that's, this is not a hopeless situation because I didn't give you all of what Jesus said in John 16 in verse 33. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But then he says right after that, he says, oh, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Okay, okay, we're using some language that maybe you don't understand. That word for overcome... It literally means conquer. It means victory. In other words, Jesus says, I've already conquered this world that's going to give you trouble. Jesus, what are you talking about? You've conquered the world. Because one day the world's going to throw the best it has at me called a cross at Calvary. And they're going to kill me on the cross at Calvary. But what they gave me, their best shot, I'm going to overcome it by rising on the third day with all power in my hands. And they gave me their best shot, but it wasn't good enough. And so he says, now you, because we are united, you now share that victory. Ooh, if I had time to start singing right now, I'll tell you, victory belongs to Jesus. Yes, it does. All right, let me close the parentheses. I got to keep going. (laughs) This this good disciple got sick and she died. The text says they prepared her for burial. But they heard that Peter was over there in the other town called Lydda. And so they sent for him uh, because Joppa was right near Lydda. And so they said, go get Peter because he has power from Jesus Christ. And the text says that in verse 40, that after Peter cleared the room, he knelt down and prayed. And then he turned to the body and he said, Tabitha, get up. The text says she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Let me make a couple of observations and we're going to get out of here. First. We see not the power of Peter, but the power of Christ. The text says that Peter prayed and then spoke to Dorcas. So, friends, again, we see Jesus is still at work through his apostle, who is a member of the church. Jesus is still working through his church. Secondly, we see the healing The healing of Dorcas is the manifestation of the life-giving power of God. Friends, here's the spiritual truth that this picture illustrates for us. Like Dorcas, every man, woman, boy, and girl has a sin-sick soul. And this sin-sickness leads to both physical and spiritual death. We, the Bible says, we are dead in our trespasses and In our sins, by nature, we are objects of God's wrath. But God, friends, that's always a good time to shout something. Whenever you hear those two words, but God, rich in mercy, lavish his love on us by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place. So that we might have eternal life. The only way, that's what I'm talking about. The only way, friends, to have eternal life is is by Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. Whoever you are, the good news from heaven this morning is Jesus can turn your life around. Like Dorcas, you may be in some dead situation. The good news today is Jesus can turn it around. Manuel, we're going there today. Come put me in seat. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, walk faster. Just maybe (laughs) these two instances of the turnaround power of Jesus Christ are not convincing evidence for you. And just in case You didn't accept these two instances of the power of Christ to turn around. I thought this morning that I would call on some more witnesses. Can I I give you a couple of witnesses and then I'll go to my seat, y'all. I'm reminded of a man in the Bible who was possessed with an evil spirit. This man... The record is he lived in caves And this man was so possessed with an evil spirit That he would cut himself with stones But one day He met a man by the name of Jesus And then Jesus told this unclean spirit He spoke to the spirit And he said spirit Come out of this man and this man was no longer demon possessed. And from that day on, that man became a living testimony. And if you he are here today, that old man, he would say, Jesus, turn my life around. Well, you don't like that witness. Let me call another witness. There was a blind man by the name of Bartimaeus. Not only was the man blind, but he was also a beggar. But this man, y'all, he happened to hear, y'all, that Jesus was passing by. And he cried out to Jesus, I can't see Jesus, but I hear he's passing by. So he said, Jesus. Son of David Will you have mercy Have mercy on me All the crowd that was around him, They said blind Bartimaeus You ought to keep quiet But the more they told him to keep quiet Bartimaeus got louder And he said, Son of David Will you have mercy on me And the Bible says that Jesus called Bartimaeus. And he said, Bartimaeus, what, 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 what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus said, will you please, will you please restore my sight? And Jesus said to him, Bartimaeus, go your way. Your yes, faith has made you well. And the Bible says that immediately he received his sight. And if Bartimaeus was here today, he'd say to y'all, I'm a living testimony because I was blind, but now I see him. Is there anybody in here that believes Jesus can still turn it around? Let me call one more witness. Come here, woman. I don't know your name, but I heard your story. And the story is that there was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 long years. Blood was flowing from her body. She went to doctor after doctor. And every time she went to the doctor, she only got worse, y'all. She spent all her money looking for a cure for her issue. One day, she heard about a man named Jesus. And she heard that he was turning lives around. And so she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. So the Bible says she pressed her way through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment, y'all. And when she touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says that immediately the blood dried up, y'all. And if that woman were here today, she'd say, I'm a witness that Jesus can still turn things around. Yes, he can. I've got two more witnesses. Come here, Lazarus. Will you testify for me this morning? Lazarus would say, y'all, I love Jesus with all my heart. But one day, I became so sick, y'all. My sisters, They sent for Jesus because Jesus loved me. They said, Jesus, we need you to come by our house. Our brother is sick. And so Jesus, he said, I'm just going to take my time. And I'm going to stick around where I am. I'm not coming right now. Because this sickness is not going to lead to death. But it's for the glory of God. So about three days later, Jesus went down to Bethany. When he got to Bethany, the sister of Lazarus, by the name of Martha, she said, Jesus, my brother is dead. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And he said, don't you believe that I can work a miracle? So Jesus went to the tomb. When Lazarus was laid and he told Martha, he said, Move away the tomb. She said, Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I don't want to move this stone because by now he stank. I don't want to move this stone. Jesus said to Martha, Martha did not tell you if you would just believe. You will see the glory of God. So she moved the stone. And Jesus said to Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Before I leave you, it's important that Jesus called his name. Because if he would have just said, come forth, all the dead would have gotten up. Because there's so much power in his word, y'all. So he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the story is that Lazarus came out of the tomb still wrapped in his clothes. But he was yet alive. If Lazarus was here, he said, I'm a living testimony that Jesus will turn your life around. Well, maybe you can't get with Lazarus maybe you can't get with the woman with the issue of blood maybe you can't get with the demoniac let me give you a present-day testimony that jesus still turns it around come here brandon won't you testify of what the lord can do here's my testimony church i was sinking Deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore I was very deeply Stained within Sinking y'all, I was sinking To rise no more But the master Of the sea He heard my Despairing cry And from the waters He lifted me And now Safe am I. Church, I'm a living witness that Jesus can turn it around. Look at your neighbor. Your neighbor is a witness that Jesus can turn it around. Is there anybody in here that believes Jesus can turn it around? If you believe it, stand to your feet and say, Jesus can turn it around. Jesus can turn it around. Ain't the Lord all right? If Jesus was here, Jesus would say, I'm a witness that things can turn around. Because one Friday, they nailed me to a cross. They put nails in my hands, a crown of thorns on my head. And y'all, I died. Yes, I did. But early Sunday morning, it turned around for me because my son, he lifted me. You can sit there. We'll turn it around. All right, we got to go. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are in a state of shock right now. You are saying, what in the world just happened? We, we just left Black History Month. That's black preaching. Now, I don't do this every Sunday. Matter of fact, in the 18, 20 months that we've been alive, this is the first time I've done that here at the Bridge Church. Thank you. What would happen, friends, is that in the black church we would have a time of explanation and exhortation around the truth of God's word. And Then after we had fully explained God's word, we moved from explanation to celebration. And friends, simply what I showed you was how I grew up in church, is that we moved from explanation. We, we dealt with the text, but we said now let's celebrate the goodness by God. So now listen, listen to me. I know we've got some new friends and and everything, so don't don't go around thinking, oh, they're they're too charismatic for me. Listen, we may be, I may be charismatic in my expression, but I'm not charismatic in my doctrine or my theology. Listen, I'm kind of like blind Bartimaeus. The more you tell me I'm too much, the louder I get. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus... And all he's done for me, y'all, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. And so, I just wanted to share with you some of the ways that I grew up. I don't know if I'll ever do it again. You come on back. But let me tell you, what you just experienced was not wronged, it was different. There's a difference. Nothing in the Bible says that that expression of my worship is wrong. It's just different. Listen, now I'm not going to apologize for what just happened, because God is good. He woke me up early this morning. And he said, "It's okay. They'll come back. I'm waiting for an amen. amen. All right, all right. We all right. We're going to have a job next week, babe. What's your team, i all come on back. Listen, if you are here today and you are in a desperate, hopeless situation, God's word for you today is he can turn it around. Not just then, but he can still turn whatever your situation is around. Somebody is here today and you are on a train wreck to hell. Because you are not yet trusting in Jesus Christ. The good news from heaven is that Jesus can turn your destiny around. Because that is not, hell was not designed for you. It was for Satan and all of his followers. The good news is that Jesus loves you so much. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place. So that you can have eternal life. And so the reason I get so excited is because this is just a foretaste of what's coming one day when I see my master face to face we'll worship him It will be pure so you are here today you are a sinner and you are in need of salvation I don't care how good you are you can't be good enough ever to be right with God the only way to be right with God is through his son Jesus Christ Jesus Christ says I am the way not a way the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so today we offer Christ to you. Oh, my brother, oh, my sister. Today, what must I do to be saved, you ask? And the question is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You must turn from whatever it is you are trusting in Whatever it is you are living for, and turn to Jesus Christ and him alone. That may be Buddha. It may be uh, Hinduism. It may be Confucius. Whatever it is. Or it may be your own self-will. You've got to turn from that and turn by faith to Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Wait, there's got to be more to it. Nothing in life can be that easy. That's because Jesus has paid it all on the cross for you. And so Jesus says, I sent you here today by divine assignment. It wasn't by accident, but that you can hear that there is a way you to be right with your creator. And so if you have believed in Jesus Christ today, will you let us know by confirming that on your bridge card? We want to know. We want to get in touch with you. Make sure you understand what it is that you are believing in and committing to. And we want to walk alongside of you. To show you what it like, lives, looks like to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And live a life that glorifies him. A life that makes his name famous. Maybe you're here today. If you are believing in Jesus Christ, the first act of obedience is, is baptism. And so we, we, if you need to be baptized, let us know. We will get you to the water. It is a public declaration of the change that has come in your life. And that's what Christ has commanded for us. Maybe you're here today, you're saved, you're baptized. Do you have a church where you're going, growing, serving, and connected? We'd love to be your church family. Our elders would love to be the shepherds and caretakers of your soul. We are a Bible-believing, Word-centered, Christ-centered church. And we'd love to be your church home. Maybe the Bridge church, it, maybe it doesn't fit what you need in this season of your life. Maybe you, you can't go to a church where the preacher hoops from time to time. That's okay. We're about the kingdom. And all of these local churches, we're all on the same team. So if we can help you get connected to another church, we'd love to do that. But we think we're a mighty fine church to be connected to. You need a family where you are connected, where you are loved on, supported, We'd love to be their church. If you want to find more information about what it is to get connected to our church, fill it out on the bridge card. Later on when the offering bags come by, you can do that. God's word demands a response. And so at the end of the service, at the end of the sermon, I always give this invitation for you to respond in some fashion. For some, it's going to be salvation. For some, it's going to be the follow-up after you've been saved and baptism. church membership. For some of us, what do we do with this word? Maybe you've lost hope about some person, about some situation. God says, I'm going to send you a word of hope and a word of encouragement to let you know Jesus can still turn things around. And there's evidence from today's scripture. Maybe you need to go be the one who encourages somebody else. You know somebody who's given up hope. And maybe you need to remind them that Jesus can still turn it around. Maybe it's time for you to share your testimony. Aeneas in our text was a walking testimony about the transforming power of Jesus Christ. And guess what happened because of his testimony? Many people turned to the Lord. Your testimony is too precious to be kept to yourself. There's power in it. Our worship team now is going to leave.